listening to the OmniTalk Fast Five, brought to you in partnership with Microsoft, the AM Consumer and Retail Group, Takeoff, and Sezzle. The OmniTalk Fast Five podcast is the podcast that we hope makes you feel a little smarter, but most importantly, a little happier each week, too. Today is January 27th. I am your host, Ann Mazinga. And I am Chris Walton. And we have survived two conferences in two weeks to discuss all the top headlines making waves in the world of omnichannel retailing this week. Chris, how are you holding up, my friends? And I'm, I'm not doing that well, actually, to be honest. You're still in Vegas. I had yes. to come back to Minneapolis late last night. Got home like 1.45, 2 a.m. in the morning. I'm, I'm a little bushwhacked, Ann. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah. You know, but, you know, hey, yeah, we were at NRF. We were at Manifest. I actually like Manifest a lot. I thought it was a really interesting conference. I'm curious, like, what was your what was your favorite moment from Vegas? Like, show or non-show? Because, you know. Um, I'm going to sound like the biggest nerd on the planet, but I really. That, that's a tough bar when you're, when you're a co-host I know. me, my friend. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, but I thought the maritime portion of this conference was. Like it's what I've been talking about for the last three days. I think, you know, it's kind of on the fringes of what we usually talk about, but you know, 90% of the world's goods or more than that even are shipped via cargo container and just learning about how that really. By boat, yeah. Yes, yes, by by boat. And so just learning how much, you know, what's going on in the industry trickles down and impacts retail um got me thinking chris i don't know what about you what did yeah no that was my favorite thing too no 100 percent. so funny that you said that because yeah no super nerd yeah everybody listening is like yeah we know you guys are yeah we know we know like tell us something we don't know right like that's why we listen to your show is to find out things we don't know not like yeah we're cool we listen certified already yes right yes uh but thank you for listening everyone uh no, I mean, I was, you know, I put out on social media today that one of our mottos is, you know, and I've talked about this before on the show, but uh, follow your interests and you'll always be interested, you know? And so we were talking with the the conference chair, Pam Simon, shout out to her. And we're like, hey, we want to do something on shipping. We don't know anything yeah. about shipping. It, everyone talks about last mile, but no one ever talks about the transatlantic thousands of miles. Right. And Pam hooked us up with Philip uh, uh, Blumenthal. Yeah. Uh, and he like gave us this like crash course on all the way e-commerce has been changing the dynamics of shipping and, you know, what's led to some of the supply chain crisis. And it's a great podcast. I encourage everyone to listen to it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, 2022's hottest retail trend is FTC. Factory yeah, FTC. Consumer. And you got to find out what that means. You got to listen to the podcast to find out what that means. But, but yeah, you also, you also, not to change the subject from shipping to something also okay. sexy, but yes. you went and saw Rihanna's new store too, Oh my right? God. Yes, I did. I stayed here last night. I went to go check out Savage by Fenty in the fashion mall. Um, wow. It was mm-hmm. really cool. I'll be talking about it a little bit later too, but um, Fitmatch, they, I went in and I went through the whole process and checked it out. And Oh, wow. I mean, it was pretty, pretty remarkable. So we'll talk about it later in the show. Yeah, but I can't was, wait to hear that about that. High, probably high that on my right list of experiences too. So yeah, I want to hear it. Cause yeah, because Fitmatch, um, who we had on the show, we, yeah, we Hanif part of Brown. That, so I can't wait to hear that. Yeah. I can't wait to hear what, what, and you, you ran into him too, I, right? Like, I did. Yeah, it was right? so crazy. So, yeah. yes. so we, so, we got to get to that. So let's, let's get to the headlines. All right. So in today's fast five, and we are going to talk 7-Eleven's new delivery subscription Kohl's shares surging, surging, man, on takeover surging. interest from Sycamore and Acacia. Why now? Now we have tree names everywhere. I don't know why. Walmart investing in vertical farming by way of a company called Plenty. 
which I know you're stoked to talk about. Instagram launching an early test of its creator subscriptions program in the US, which is fascinating to me. But first, we take off with big news out of Amazon, getting us back around to the Fenty uh, store as well. So, Anne, please, yes, if you will, let's take us do away. it. So, first headline we had two huge announcements that uh, sent LinkedIn a flutter this week. Uh, The first is that Amazon's new store, Amazon Style, will open in LA um, at the Americana at Brand. Now customers in their new store, uh, Amazon Style, can find a selection of women's and men's apparel, shoes, and accessories. Then they can go through the store and with the Amazon app, they can scan any item's QR code to see all the sizes, colors, ratings, reviews, add items to a fitting room, Chris. And if they don't need to try the item on, they can just scan the item right on the mannequin and send it directly to a pickup counter and they're done. Um, So that's the first headline. Yeah, it's like service merchandise for apparel, right? Yes, exactly. With with your phone. Yeah, exactly. Um, So the second headline is that uh, Amazon Go is coming to suburbia. So in the coming months, a roughly 6,000 square foot store will be opening in Mill Creek, Washington, offering snacks, everyday essentials, beverages, and grab and go food items. Chris, big, big news. What are your thoughts on this stuff out of Amazon this week? Yeah, these are two huge stories. I mean, you could devote a whole podcast just to talking about each one of these probably. But um, yeah. you know, from my perspective, I actually find the second story a little more interesting, the suburb- oh. suburbia story. Um and I'll, I'll tell you one in a second, but I think that I think that's pretty big news. I mean, this store six thousand square feet. They've got a new prototype that they're trying to test. And my I wrote about this in Forbes too. But like, uh, you know, for the most part, the thing looks like a Starbucks too. And I asked if they are going to include Starbucks in this prototype format, and they said no. The other interesting thing is like half the space is devoted to back of house, right? Which makes me think that's what this is also about. You know, especially in the battle of instant delivery, like Amazon's not dumb. Amazon knows people want things quick. I mean, it's how their whole business model started. So they're going to fight tooth and nail to keep that territory. And this right. seems like a a piece of that strategy to me. The fashion thing, while it's been getting more press, I think is cool. Um, but, you know, as a concept, I don't love it for shopping. You know, I think the idea that you can't take shelf stock, you can't. I mean, there's a lot of people that quote try on without going into the fitting room to try on products in an apparel shopping experience. And you can't do that in this store. Yeah, it's which called think, Zara on a Saturday. Right. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly right. That's a great analogy. You know, so that that's missing for me in this. And so sure. I don't think this is the ultimate answer to the apparel question for Amazon. But I think it's important because I think what it's going to do is it sets the table for them with a live experiment to watch how inventory flows in what is a very controlled environment, which is why I think, which is the root of the purpose for them setting it up this way. They can watch the inventory flow into the fitting room. They can watch it flow from the back room to the pickup counter. They can understand if this is even possible to do uh, with computer vision in the long run as they try to go to a just walkout experience where possibly sales stock goes on the floor too, because that is ultimately what we want. And Amazon doesn't like giving people things they don't want. Like right. they don't want to make harder com- com- um, commerce experiences. So, so that's my take on this. Like this is very early stage, very cool, very much something to keep an eye on. But net net, bring it full circle. I think the suburban story is, is the much bigger story. What do you think, though? Yeah. So let's talk, let's go to Amazon style first. I mean, I think that you hit on the key element for me here. People need to chill out. This is not the same as Macy's like doing a a style concept. This is an experiment. Amazon is using this as a giant research lab, people. Like that's what's happening here to test all the things that you talked about. Um, 
But I will say some of the other things that you didn't mention, Chris, that I think I'm excited to see them test is what's going on in the fitting room. You know, I'm a huge advocate of the custom t-shirts that they put out and the body scanning that they're doing. And as I mentioned, I went to Savage by Fenty last night and I did the FitMatch 3D scanning, which right now has an associate that, you know, scans your body. You stand in there in a bra and, you know, you're whatever else you're wearing they really put a full you, you slim down i mean you like take it all off and you're yep. just like there yep. wow yep. interesting they, and okay. right now they have associates doing this with iphones and ipads but they go around you slowly and take a 3d scan of your body just like it happened wow. in the amazon custom t-shirt app but then like that they show like these are the bras of the hundreds of bras right. that are stock online and offline that are going to work mm-hmm. for your body and I tried mm-hmm. them on. She brought me not only that, but also this is what size you are in each of these bras, which as a woman that can vary depending on the type of bra. Right. And every one I tried on fit exactly right. Like Wow, exactly that's super right. cool. And I have to say, this is a major upgrade for women that from like Thelma at Macy's in the bra department, who's like <laughs> getting all handsy with you and trying to put a cold tape measure around you. Like this stuff that Amazon's definitely going to do, what FitMatch is doing, with Savage by Fenty, this is the the stuff of the future. This is real fitting room technology that I think is going to it completely evolve the apparel buying experience. So number one, Amazon yep. style is a major experiment. So everybody- And I want to come back to that too, because that's you brought up some really interesting points. But yeah, what's your take yeah. on Suburbia? And second one, like I agree with you, Amazon Go. Now, no, this is Amazon Go. This is not Amazon Fresh, the grocery concept. Right, so, this is Go. Yeah, yes. convenience. Half of the store, as you mentioned, back of house. I think it's really important for people to watch what this means as Amazon Go grows up. We've been talking about Fresh for a long time, but this is the convenience option. You mentioned Starbucks. Um, we saw the, you and I saw the Amazon and Starbucks in New York, which will have a video coming out to tease, but that experience going out to the suburbs is huge. Yeah, hundred percent. And your, your point about the fitting room, where it could go is really interesting because as of right now, Amazon does not appear to be doing anything of what you're describing now right. in their press releases, but somebody else is, which is what else I think is really interesting about this concept. It's not new. I no. put this in Forbes, like it's Hoiter from like, I don't even remember, like 2012, if you yep. guys remember that, the, yep. the, 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 the jeans store that was shopped the exact same way, didn't have yep. the fitting room component. It's part Rebecca Minkoff Oak Labs mirrors, yep. the magic mirrors from like 2015 or 16, if I'm not exactly. mistaken, a long time ago, like before we were working store of the future at Target. And then it's also part GH Lab, what Amazon did with the home furnishings in the Mall of America. It's doing all that. And then at the, at the same time, you have FitMatch out there and other companies iterating on this to even greater a greater extent. So like, this is definitely just the first stage of more to come on that idea. All right, yeah, well, let's keep moving because I think this next story has some pretty big ramifications. I think it's pretty interesting. And you were quoted in the, in an article on it. I this know. Week too, which unexpectedly, like it was an old quote that they reused, which we were reading it this morning. We're like, oh, hey, there you are. But anyway, 7-Eleven introduced a new subscription delivery service that costs $5.95 per month. According to 7-Eleven's press release describing the service, the service is now called 7-Now Gold Pass, which not going to lie, is kind of a mouthful. Yeah. Subscribers have access to over 3,000 items, including hot food, drinks, household items, and grocery, all via delivery. Customers can expect orders in about 30 minutes and will be able to track their delivery in real time through the company app 7Now. No word yet, though, Anne, on, on how or with whom 7-Eleven is making these deliveries happen. 
So if yeah. anyone has light on that that they would like to share with us, please, please let us know because I am dying to know the answer to that Me question. Too. Yeah. Uh, but Anne, you're the kind of instant delivery queen. Do you approve of this move from the throne atop which you sit? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, oh, I, hell feel yeah, like, right? I feel like this is something that 7-Eleven has to do with all the heat building and instant delivery. <laughs> I mean, you're 7-Eleven, you have 16,000 stores throughout the US and, you know, and the world. And I think thinking about how they, they compete, first of all, with other instant delivery providers, your point about the who's facilitating this, they've worked yeah. with DoorDash, they've worked with Postmates, they work with Instacart. So right. I'm really curious, especially knowing 7-Eleven's DNA of like, we're going to build our own scan and go application. We're going to build checkout free internally and right. roll it out. Like, have they actually developed delivery logistics in their own ecosystem? And then I think more importantly, what I find interesting about this is how are they going to roll this out to franchisees with multiple locations? And if they are doing that, what does the future hold for like GoPuff and bike? Like could GoPuff right. and bike start a franchisee model where, you know, you own 10 right. BP gas stations in a town Are is GoPuff going to start like teaming up with you and then, you know, using a franchisee model to help, you know, their urban and suburban expansion. There's so much on this that I just, I want to sink my teeth into, but what about yeah. No, I, I think a hundred percent. It's super cool. I mean, yeah, the part that I find most interesting about this is like you said, it's like, how are they doing it? And I kind of hope that they're doing it with Instacart and DoorDash and maybe even a few others, like as the white label provider, because like we talked about, we had a, another podcast with delivery solutions, which we right. talked a lot about on the show, delivery orchestration. It'd be cool if they like, at some point, if they're doing, using some technology like that, where it's just like, Hey, it's a delivery. Yeah. You guys can provide it battle out for whoever wants the order. And we'll see, because the point too, is none of us know how big instant delivery is going to be yet. Right. You know, and I said this on the podcast with the delivery solutions guys yesterday too. Like there's always that feeling like, oh, it's a new trend. Everyone's going to go to it. But the one thing I know from 25 years in retail, it never happens all or nothing, right? Everything is always a balance of the portfolio. And I will keep saying that till the cows come home. And so this is cool because it gets 7-Eleven the chance to understand how big is this, mm -hmm. right? Because- the other point of this too, relative to GoPuff bikes and everybody else, they're going vertical with this and they're setting up their, their warehousing and their potential stores to accommodate this. Whereas 7-Eleven, given their infrastructure, probably has to do it through third-party picking in, yeah. in some way or set up a whole new warehouse infrastructure. So that seems like the short-term answer for them to, 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 to like handle it that way through delivery orchestration and that type of thing. And so like it makes me wonder... As, you know, if the if the big guys 7-Eleven, the Circle K's of the world can just get on board with this, it does it ever even become that big of a thing where those guys become a threat? The other new players become a threat, sure. or does it just become like a small portion of what people want? The instant delivery thing. Um, I don't know, but I, what do you think on that? Because you're well, you're, you're probably more into the instant delivery trend than I am, which is why I said you're the queen of instant delivery. Oh my god! Well, I I just I think that more people are going to adopt it than than people still realize. I agree with you; it's not going to be all or none. But I think that it is something that if you're a, as big a player as Seven Eleven is, you have to be figuring out what the model is going to be that you're going to have to roll out. And the delivery solutions point is right on because you have so many franchisees in so many parts of the country that I wonder if, you know, a white label, you know, Instacart or something like that is going to be able to do it. I feel like 
somebody like a, a delivery orchestration provider, like delivery solutions is going to have to be able to make you nimble and able to, you know, find the best, um, the best delivery company using the parameters that are required for each location around the country. It's not like one and done where you're just in one particular region. So yeah. yeah and, and the last point I would add too, is like Amazon, like we just said in the last story, Amazon's sitting out there too, to take up a part of this pie potentially. Yep. I mean, they're yep. not going to give it up. So yeah, if 7-Eleven and these guys get on this, I think it's a smart move because you can keep the, the new players out of this, I think right. fairly quickly as you're trying to understand the true percentage of consumer demand that's going to do this. Yeah, great point, Chris. Um, let's go on to headline number three. So Kohl's saw its shares surge this week um, on takeover interest from Sycamore and Acacia. A source reportedly told Reuters on Sunday that Sycamore was willing to pay at least $65 per share, implying a 39% premium to the last closing price. Uh, this offer comes on the heels of starboard value-backed Acacia Research last week, which offered to pay $64 a share. Now, loyal Amitak fans will remember that this news comes after activist investors such as Macellum Advisors and Engine Capital have been unhappy with Cole's most recent performance and have urged it to explore options, including a sale. Chris, this is this is a lot to take in. Can you make sense of this for me, please? Yeah, first of all, Ann, I want something of ours to surge. You know, I just want a headline like that. Like our share, I want shares of Amitak to surge at some point. I just think that's so funny. That's good, good alliteration too by whoever wrote that. Sales, nerdiness, nerdiness. Sales shares surge or whatever. Yeah, but no, I mean, this story really pisses me off. I mean, it's why? So many, What's going on? Why? Because if you, loyal Amitak fans will remember, it wasn't that long ago in April. I looked this up in April of 2021, where we talked about the headline that. Macellum, or however the hell you say that, pressured Coles to nominate two people to their board at their last annual board meeting this summer, okay? April of 2021. And those people were Margaret Jenkins and Thomas Kingsbury, the noted, noted stalwarts of Omnichannel Retailing, whose backgrounds are, let me make sure I get this right, uh, Margaret Jenkins was previously the chief marketing officer at the restaurant chains Denny's and El Pollo Loco. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's not the only thing local in this story. And Thomas Kingsbury, who previously served as the CEO of Burlington Stores. Yes, also a bastion of, of omni-channel retail, considering I think they just got into e-commerce like last year. Well, they so, shut down their e-commerce site. Yeah, or they shut it down, right? Yeah. It was, I, I, I can't yes. even remember. Like, yeah. it just, this story blows my mind because, and now here they are pressuring them for a sale. Now they get the heat from these other guys that want to, you know, Play this premium for the shares. Suddenly, Coles is worth more money than it ever was before because God knows how this is going to play out from there. You know, they'll break it up. You know, find the value in the in the e commerce split off or whatever, which is total bullshit. Which we've talked about on the show a thousand times. Mm-hmm. So it just it just makes me so darn frustrated that you could see the writing on the wall that this is how these guys were angling to play this out the whole time, the whole time. Like, if you really cared about what you said, you want to push them to improve their board and get people that, and that's, that's what they said this week. Like, we want to, you, we want people that have more expertise and are more strategic to help Coles. What the freaking hell were you doing back in April? Like, come on. Like, well, I'll throw my hat in the ring. I've got more chops than these two people. Like, honestly, swear to God. So anyway, I'm just frustrated beyond belief. Sorry, rant over. Yeah, that was quite the rant, Chris. Um, well, I, I guess I have like a counter question to you. 
And okay. I by no means pretend to like understand all of the dynamics that are going on here because yeah, it's, it's really hard to, to make sense of, but it feels like a sale almost seems inevitable for Kohl's. Like, and so I guess my question is, and maybe I'm thinking about this the wrong way, but you know, like I'm using an analogy because I'm in Vegas, but like, are you going to keep sitting at the blackjack table Coles? Like how many more offers are you going to get before you just bust? And then there's nothing and there's nothing to salvage or to split off into e-commerce or whatever it is that you want to do with your store concepts. Like it and, just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And that's, what's really sad to me. And because, you know, Coles is a Milwaukee, you know, real, I don't know if it's exactly, but it's Milwaukee based, Wisconsin based, you yeah. know, you know, family run for a long time. And like, they're going to, what these guys are going to do is they're going to come in, drive up the value. The shareholders are going to, of course, probably, I think you're right. It's heading towards that direction where maybe they take the deal and God knows what becomes of it after that. Mm -hmm. And the only people that get rich on this are the, are the financiers right? and everyone else and what it means for Wisconsin and everyone else are going to end up, you know, carrying the short end of the stick. And I think that is what, frustrates me to no end. Like, Ms. Selm, had you put people who actually know what the hell they're doing in April? Like, why would you be in this place? Like, you're, you're, the blood's on your hands too, like in this. And that's what makes me so goddamn mad. All right. Yeah. And I think okay. we should move on. Oh my God. Think? We should move on to something much happier, which is yeah, the actually, story. This, this story is a feel good story. It's a yes. feel good story of plenty. It is. It is. Because Walmart is investing $400 million in vertical farming startup Plenty. According to a Walmart press release, Walmart's Series E investment of 400 million, again, 400 million, is, quote, part of a broader strategic partnership to utilize Plenty's indoor farming technology platform to deliver fresh produce to Walmart retail stores, end quote. As part of the investment, Walmart will also join Plenty's board of directors. And the long term commercial agreement allows Walmart to source Plenty's leafy greens for all its California stores from Plenty's Compton Farm beginning later this year. Cool quote from Plenty CEO, our farms can be sited anywhere, allowing us to put fresh fruits, greens, and vegetables on shelf at all times at speed for maximum freshness. And I love when this happens because you get the question that puts us on, puts you on the spot each week. I've somehow it's set up every fourth, every time it's like my question giving it to you lately. I love it. Yeah. Chad put this on, on, uh, on LinkedIn and I poked him. So I'm not. Oh, did he? Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. So you, they were, they were thinking you were going to like this. So it's mm -hmm. probably why they teed it up for you. All right. And so here's the question from AM. with its latest round of funding backed and supported with the Walmart partnership, plenty will have raised over $500 million and officially put vertical agriculture on the map in a world where fresh produce and sustainability are key consumer trends in grocery but also coming with rapid inflationary pressures, which wins out with the Walmart customer differentiated product and sustainability or an upper limit on willingness to pay? Um, well, great question. That's really um, great. Number one, let's just applaud vertical farming, just being available. Like this is a huge move for yeah. this, this market. Um, Survived, because, right? Yeah. Right, right. Um, okay. So the other thing I want to give some, a little bit of background for the listeners. So I didn't realize this, but vertical farming, for those of you who didn't know, is three to five times the cost of conventional farming. So how that trickles down to the customers is, um, you know, a, a, a vertical, vertically farmed head of lettuce is like two to $3, 
whereas a conventionally grown head of lettuce is about a dollar. That's according to Egg Funder, some research that I did. So I think that's important to kind of do, set set people's mindsets as AM is suggesting. Now, I think this is about so much more than cost. It comes down to number one, you're providing access, just access to fresh produce for the 90% of Americans that live within 10 miles of a Walmart. Check number one. Right. That's Great a point. big deal. Great Two, point. this provides choice for the customer. Like, yes, it's going to be a little bit more expensive, but I'm hopeful that with Walmart rolling this out at scale, that we start to see better efficiencies and driving the cost down for some of this produce. But still, it's a great option for people to have um, when they didn't have that option before. It was only the $1 head of iceberg lettuce. So I love that. And finally, you know, this is an attraction. Like back in our days, Chris, from Target Store of the Future, like I remember going to the Whole Foods in Brooklyn where the whole greenhouse where they grew all of the lettuce for that store was like part of the restaurant on the store. Like this is an this is an exposure for you know almost five thousand WalMarts in the country for people to just see what vertical farming is yeah. for them to be exposed to a new kind of technology and just I, I think that is at its core is really what this is about and whether or not people will pay for it I guess we'll we'll see but I think that's like last on my list right now I still think it's worth yep. the expo- exploration so um, Chris. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you said, Ann. Everything, everything you say, I think. And the point I would emphasize um, on top of what you said is I'm going to put my merchant hat on. And yeah, I think, I think the merchandising value of a vertical farm in a Walmart is going to be far beyond what people expect it to be. Yes. Which is why I've actually been surprised that some re- grocer or retailers haven't tried that already makes me wonder if the technology is not quite ready yet to, to right. invest in that. But my hunch is it probably was and the retailers are just slow. But yeah, walking into a into any grocery store, quite honestly, not even a Walmart, but any grocery store and seeing a vertical farm in operation will just have a tremendous amount of value and cachet attached to it, I believe. And that get, and when you talk about omnichannel retailing and giving people a reason to come into a store, yeah, it's as much theater as anything else, you know? And the world experience gets you know, overuse all the time, because that's not really what this is. This is about giving people a different vision of how they can shop products they can buy in a very visually palpable way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I think that's going to be a big win. And your point about, you know, if this can grow to scale and you get vertical farming access to all the 5,000, you know, close to 5,000 Walmarts throughout the country, which are in very different types of areas throughout mm-hmm. the country. It's super powerful. Yeah. I love it. Um, all right, Chris, we are going to our last headline. Instagram has launched an early test of creator subscriptions in the U.S. So according to TechCrunch, um, uh, the feature, which was spotted hitting the App Store back in November, is now officially in early testing with a small group of U.S. creators who will be able to offer their followers paid access to exclusive Instagram live videos and stories. So creators choose their own price point. Um, starting at 99 cents per month, all the way up to 99.99 a month, Chris. Wow. Uh, wow. And de- depending, I know, right? <laughs> depending on how much a creator believes their content is worth, man, I wonder what we value the Omnitalk content as. We have to think about like w- what end of that spectrum we're on. Um, $99 and- a month is a lot. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so subscribers will receive a special badge that will help them stand out in the comments section of creators inboxes so that they can draw attention to those um, individuals. 
And so far, Instagram has traveled a program with 10 alpha creators, only one of which I'm sure you have heard of, Chris, and that is gymnast Jordan Childs. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on paid subscription content? First, I love this. I love the assumption that I know women's gymnastics, which is an accurate assumption. Going yeah, back to the top of the beginning, why, why is that an assumption? I, yeah, right. I know, I know well. right. Tell me, tell the audience something we don't already know yes. about Chris. Yes, the one, the one of the ten people that I knew was Jordan Childs, the American gymnast, <laughs> as I'm sure many people listening to this actually do. This is probably the one person they knew too. Um, I mean, I, and I don't. I was. I want to include this story this week. I fought for this one because I. I'm not sure I get it. Okay. And I want you to explain what you explained to me, but like, okay. You know, the beauty of Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff is that like, it's organic, it's available to anyone. Um, you know, and, and the influencers, it's not like they're short a few Bob, like they're making money getting paid to advertise and, and showcase products and things like that. And so, you know, if you, if you try to take it from both ends by getting subscribers for that, and still getting paid for the advertisements. I think that's a tough game to play. And I I just worry about how that feels in platform in the long run to some degree as well, which is why I think they're probably slowly testing the waters on this. Um, So I don't, I don't, I I just, I don't know that I love this idea that much in the long run, but I I could be wrong, but something is sticking sticking my craw with this. Yeah. Um, Of course. you are one of the last remaining people who still pays for cable television. Are you not? Uh, yes, I am, man. Yes. Okay. Thank you. So also not I, a surprise, probably. <laughs> no, I'm going to pose this to you. So okay. if you think about Instagram as this generation's cable television, you pay for cable television every month. You have a monthly subscription to cable television and those people creating the shows on cable are still receiving advertising dollars, right? Yeah, you're right. No, I mean, I, yeah, this is why I wanted to talk about it because like I'm I'm conflicted with this for sure, and I can see where you're going. Yeah, I I think that it's easy for us to dismiss the the influencers and the creators um, as like you know this is just fun for them. This is an actual production, you know. They oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Content, and so for me, I think that it is it makes sense to give this a try. I think I'm very curious to see how this expands and how they start merchandising within those like paid subscriptions versus non-paid subscriptions. Just like we're seeing, you know, I got savaged by Fenty last night. There's a subscription program similar to Fabletics and some of these other things. Like what are you willing to pay for? Um, And what perks does that get you? And I think that, you know, content creators are no different than that. I think it makes total sense to me, but have I, have I? Yeah, no, I think, I think you're, up good points, you know, and, and I try not to, I, you know, I try really hard not to poo-poo things. Like the things that we poo-poo, um, you know, we think really hard about before we, we, you know, kind of, you know, you know, talk critically about them, I should say. Right, right. But, you know, I think you're, I think you're right. And the business models always go where the business model goes. So if, you know, free access is the way your business model is going to work, that's fine. You know, if right. subscription is going to work, that's fine too. You know, you'll figure that out as the creator. But from a platform perspective, user experience perspective, like I'm just trying to understand what will that do to the to the platform? You know, if there's yeah. subscribers on some of the content and free access to the other content. And the other point we talked about, too, which I think I want to hear your thoughts on this, too, and then we'll close out the show, is there's so much good content out there. Right. Especially on Instagram. Like, mm-hmm. 
why do I want to pay for it when it's so accessible to me already for free? I mean, I'd have to be really loyally wanting to follow people, which I think, I mean, that comes back around like you're saying, and I think you're right. I mean, you're saying, yes, there are people that are, you're going to want to pay to follow. I mean, $99, if people think you can get $99 to follow somebody on a monthly basis. Yeah. I mean, when you think about any source of entertainment, whether it's music, whether it's podcasts, whether it's cable television, I mean, I think that you really have to think about like, are you creating a product that's differentiated from others? Yes, there's a lot of content out there, but if yours is better, I don't see an issue with, you know, trying to earn as much revenue in as many ways as possible. Yeah, but. especially if it makes you feel closer to fame, which yeah. I think is what a lot of this is about, you know, the badges, the you right. know, getting talked to or getting singled out for the comment section all to exactly. other people. Yeah, you know. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, um, I think it's worth the experiment. I'm just I just, I don't, I, it's tough to envision how it plays out, but yeah, okay. let's go on. Let's All close right. this let's, baby out. We got to close this up, Chris. Um, we're going to get you in the mood here uh, with our first lightning round question. Pizza Hut launched a fully robotic restaurant in a box last week in a mall parking lot in Israel. Chris, if for, we could teleport sure. you right now to test it out, what toppings would you be putting on your first robotic pie? Oh God, easy money and sausage, red peppers and pepperoni. Let's move on. Mm, odd. Yeah, yeah. What odd? What? That's like standard pepperoni. That's like standard. Pie I've known fare. you for a long time, and I never realized that. Have we not shared a pizza? Maybe not. Weird. Okay, keep going. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Durational capital management completed its transaction. Rolls off the tongue. Yeah, that was hard. God. Well, anyway, it, whatever the hell it's called, completed its acquisition of Casper mattresses this week. So, Anne. The question I want to know is, are you finally willing to admit that you were duped by the slick marketing of the DTC mattress companies when you purchased your last mattress? Never. I'm still very satisfied with my DTC mattress. Although I couldn't <laughs> tell you right now which one it is, but I do very much love it. And I it was tough to needle, wasn't it? Tough, needle, tough to needle. needle. Yes, that's yeah, right. You can't that's remember right. the name. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> the marketing yeah. worked, it tells worked you something. wonders. Yeah. All right, Chris. Instant grocery delivery companies, including Joker, Gorillas, and Reef Technologies Lightspeed Market, have teamed up with Too Good To Go to sell surplus food at a discounted price. Chris, what top-selling instant delivery items would you guess will not be included in that grab bag of surplus goods? And I'm going to go with the two Cs on this one, COVID tests and condoms. No one wants those (laughs) when they're out of date. All right, and Peloton was in the news this week for calls to fire its CEO and to push for a sale. And yet Amy, who we met in the press room at Manifest, was telling us this week, all week long, how she used the Peloton app from her hotel room at the Paris Resort and Casino in Vegas. Whose side are you on, Amy's or the activists? Look, I think Peloton needs to get its stuff together without a doubt, but I don't know that they need to sell. I think they just grew so quickly during the pandemic. And I think that some of the strategy components of the business fell by the wayside. They just need to round it up, get a better handle on things and, and put a new product out there. I don't, I don't know that I'd be yeah. selling right now. I still that's think a, there's more to come. That's a great point. Like, can we just give people some time? Yeah, sometimes? Like, like, why does this stuff have to move so fast? Like, I don't know. They went through an incredible like period of time and it's been like 20 months, Yeah, you know, like, come on. Yeah. All right. Happy birthday today to Alan Cumming, Patton Oswalt, and Mrs. Tom Cruise, number one, Mimi Rogers. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it OmniTalk. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice-weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day 
and also features special content exclusive to us and just for you. And it fits all within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks as always for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And of course, as always, be careful out there. The OmniTalk Fast Five is a Microsoft-sponsored podcast. Microsoft Cloud for Retail connects your customers, your people, and your data across the shopper journey, delivering personalized experiences and operational excellence. And is also produced and brought to you in association with the A&M Consumer and Retail Group. The A&M Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com. And finally, Sezzle. Sezzle is an innovative buy now, pay later solution that allows shoppers to split purchases into four interest-free payments over six weeks. To learn more, visit sezzle.com.